Fab. Um, if you've known me for a while, you'll know that I am an extrovert. Um, now, this doesn't necessarily follow, because introverts can have this too, but um, it means I quite like chatting. Um, and I'm one of those kind of people who uh, I can start speaking before I've really engaged my brain. I can just, it just can flow out of me. I don't know if you've ever played that game where you, you get given a category and you've got to speak on it for like two minutes without pausing, without repeating, without ums, without ahs. I mean, easy. Like I, I can just go all day talking about the most irreverent nonsense. Um, it, it's just kind of the way I'm wired. And there's a good side to that. It's, you know, it can be a gift, but equally it can also be uh, a challenge because it's easy to say things, isn't it? I, think, I don't know if we all experience this without really thinking about it or without really considering it. And perhaps that's something that, you know, actually is not particularly kind or helpful word or, or, or just drag someone down in a way that maybe we don't even realize, um, but it's kind of just already happened. It's flowed out of us. I don't know if you grew up um, with that phrase um, around that was, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I mean, has there ever been a phrase that's contained more nonsense? I mean, it, it just couldn't be less true, could it? Because inevitably, sticks and stones break your bones. Like, I don't particularly want to be beaten up, but words cut deep. Sticks and stones may break the, your bones, but words can poison the soul. You know, uh, a harsh or critical or negative word spoken over you can sit with you for weeks, months, even years. You know, there are people who maybe are here who you still labor under words that were spoken or maybe even not spoken over you as a child, words um, of criticism, and you've always kind of felt like you're never quite enough, maybe you don't make it, make it up to the level as a sibling or something, simply because of words that were repeatedly spoken over you when you were younger. And that doesn't cease to be true now. The words we speak you know, have power. They affect things. They make a difference. And we live in a really interesting cultural moment because we live in a cultural moment where there has never been more connectivity, interconnectivity. There's never been, um, you know, it's never been easier to kind of speak in a way. Like speaking is one of the easiest things to do, but it's never been easy to, more easy to speak and have that heard on such a broad platform. You know, events can now happen on the other side of the globe, and I can be giving an opinion in live time on what's going on, you know, from, from the UK. And there's lots of great things about this, right? You know, we can speak to a friend who lives on the other side of the world. Another great thing about this is it's enabled uh, minority voices to have a platform. You know, in the past in history, you know, uh, that kind of media and stuff has been controlled by, you know, elites. There's been lots of people who've sort of been locked out of that. Whereas now, anyone can speak to anyone and give an opinion about anything and share their voice, their experience, simply by owning a mobile phone and an internet connection. And that can be heard by millions. And that's a good thing. You know, it enables us to hear, for example, with the rise of like, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, the voice of a group that maybe we've not heard as much from about their experience of the world and therefore we've been made ignorant to. But inevitably, there's a dark side to that. You know, in, in kind of schools at the moment, there's the rise of cyberbullying. Now, you don't need to just say something mean to someone's face. You can sit behind the comfort of a computer and type it out. Um, now, kind of, uh, you know, opinion is just such an easy, cheap thing to share. And, you know, we have the rise of things like cancel culture, where, you know, if someone says something that a certain group doesn't like, that person is kind of subjected to a torrent of abuse. You know, ever increasingly, to be a public figure is to be criticized. 
you know, if you're a politician, you can expect to be routinely criticized in often a quite personal, unfair, you know, often hate-filled way on, on a kind of regular basis because people can kind of just share opinions into the ether, say things without necessarily thinking about the impact of what they say. And, and I think some of the results of this is it's kind of begun to normalize ways of, of speaking to people and speaking about people that are, are, are negative and that are critical. And, and, and very easily, I think it becomes almost kind of just part of the way we operate that we quite enjoy speaking negatively about things and people. It just kind of flows out of us with a relative ease. You know, TV shows are created around this very premise. I find myself sat at home you know, we're watching a TV show, The Bake Off or something. Who watched The Bake Off? Yes, I'm very excited about the final. Um, but The Bake Off, and you're sitting there and you're, you're watching some of the people and, and you're just criticizing outwardly with, with others. It almost becomes enjoyable. Oh, what's that person wearing? Oh, oh they've made a real mess of that. And, but in a kind of way that's like, it just starts, to, there's something about it that's like a bit sinister, a bit unkind. And it's like, why, why am I doing that? Why am I being drawn into this kind of, enjoyment of being negative and critical. I want to read um, some words of scripture. We'll look, I want to look today at um, the book of James, which in my Bible is clearly well read because it's sort of falling out. Um, if you've got a Bible, do read along, but it will be on the screen. Um, James is a book, it's right, right near the end of the Bible, um, which makes it slightly hard to find because it's not very long. But um, if you get to Revelation, go back a couple and you'll hit it. I want to read from verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. We'll take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed, and have been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we can praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What's James saying here? He's talking about speaking. He's talking about speech. He's talking about the words we use. He's talking about the way we speak in this world, the way we speak to one another. And he kind of says two main things. The first thing he says is this. The words we use are a reality of much more than just words. You know, what does he say? He, he, he says this whole thing about, you know, can a fig tree bear olives? Can a salt, you know, a freshwater spring produce salt water? The answer is obviously, of course not, those things don't work. But what's he saying? What he's saying is this, is he's saying, you know, the kind of person we are will determine the kind of words we use and speak. 
to reverse that then, the way we speak is indicative of the person we are becoming. You know, if you use, you know, if you regularly speak to people in ways that are demeaning and negative and mean and unkind, and, and you know, that, that you use words to kind of assert superiority over others, that's indicative of something that's going on within you. That's not just words, that's indicative of actually who you are as a person, the kind of person you're becoming. You know, in the words of Jesus, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Who we are inside will ultimately determine the way we speak, and therefore the way we speak will be revealing of the kind of person we're becoming. The second thing that James says um, is this. Our words have power. Our words have power. He talks, and to be honest, he sounds a bit intense, right? You're reading it, and he says, the tongue is a fire. I mean, it's just my tongue. It's just my voice. It's just my, what do you mean a fire? That just, it seems like he's overplaying it. You know, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. You know, in the words of one writer, what he's kind of almost saying at the end there is he's kind of saying, when you speak words of negativity, critique, when you curse, when you, when you tear people down, it's like you're speaking the reality of hell into the room. You're tearing apart the very fabric of the good world that God has made. You're making it less than glorious, less than he intended it to do. When we use our words to, um, to tear down and destroy and speak negativity and discourse and separation, we actually make the world less than it should be. We don't embody the kingdom of God. We become actually a force for evil in the world. You know, to flip it on its head, when we speak words of blessing and goodness and life and encouragement, we're an embodiment of who Jesus is. We've become an embodiment of the kingdom on this world, an embodiment of what it looks like for God to be in charge and the ways in which he you know, would act and be. Like, our words have power. As it says in Proverbs, the tongue has the power of life and of death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Like, the reason, you know, the way we speak matters is because it has power. A power that we often don't recognize, a power that we might not necessarily be aware of the full extent of, but it has power. I don't know if you've tracked in the news recently and uh, sort of seen that, that news story about Alec Baldwin, you know, that tragic story of someone being shot on a film set. You know, and, and one of the things that shows us, like, if we didn't already know it, is that when you have something of power like a gun, you know, it needs to be treated with respect. It needs to be stewarded well. It needs to be looked after. There needs to be a kind of the appropriate safeguards because the, the danger of what might be if that is misused is profound. You know, when you have something that you recognize to be of great power, you don't use it flippantly or in a kind of casual way. You use it in a considered, careful way because it has a power to, you know, as it says in Proverbs, the power of life and the power of death. You know, in our, in our very being, we have the ability to speak words that actually bless others. I mean, have you ever been around someone who's just delightful to be around? When they speak, you just feel encouraged. You just feel uplifted. You just, you come away like shining 
because they've just spoken over you truths. You know, the right, generous, kind words spoken at the right moment can leave you singing, you know, leave you kind of walking away from that encounter just feeling alive. You know, conversely, a harsh word spoken just takes life away from us. You know, and I think Jesus wants us to be people who are people of blessing in this world who build up those around us, who encourage. There is so much negativity and criticism. It's so easy to get sucked into, but all we are doing is tearing apart the good world God has made. And I think God wants to transform us, to make us ever increasingly into people who speak blessing, who speak kindness, who speak encouragement over other people, and in doing so, embody something of who Jesus is, embody his kingdom, and actually bring life to this world and bless those who come into contact with us. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of person I want to become. But to do that, we've got to recognize that our voices have power And therefore, we've got to steward them well, and we've got to allow Jesus to shape us into the kind of people who are people of blessing and love, so that blessing and love flows out of us as we speak. It's something that matters in this life, but it's something that will carry us into the next. You know, Jesus says this, he says, but I tell you, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. But I don't know if you, you noticed as, as we were speaking, as we read the, uh, the, the passage a minute ago, like, this isn't something we can just do. It's not like, oh, great, well, I'm just going to go and like, try and be a bit more nice and speak to people in a more lovely way. You know, the kind of classic Sunday school thing, which is so much of Sunday school ends up being just behavior modification. And it's kind of, oh, be nice to people, kids. And, and, and what does it say here? It says, with the tongue, oh, sorry, uh, no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. No human being can tame the tongue. What's the implication of that? God can. God can. If we want to be people who speak blessing, if we want to be people who speak life, if we want to be people who even become aware of the ways which we might be speaking and dragging you know, others down around us, we need Jesus. And this, I think, is where the practice of simplicity that we've been kind of looking at over the past few weeks and come in and service. You'll remember um, what we've been saying the past few weeks. A spiritual practice is something we do as human beings that opens us up to what God wants to do in us. It kind of orientates us towards God in a different way that maybe we weren't doing kind of naturally by ourselves in our, in our present lifestyle. The practice of simplicity does that in kind of two ways. First, in kind of doing less or in doing something more simply in a less complicated way, we enable God to show us how kind of actually maybe the way we've been doing things is just a bit bit unnecessary. And so in doing less, it creates space for God to show us actually maybe how we could be doing more of something of greater value. The second facet to the practice of simplicity was in doing less of something, It enables Jesus to reveal to us the ways in which we've developed an unhealthy dependence or relationship with that. Maybe we've used it in a kind of therapeutic manner. Maybe we've used it to distract ourselves from a kind of deeper um, reality of the heart. And in doing so, it opens us up for God to speak to us and to change us and to transform us. 
How does the practice of simplicity, therefore, look when it comes to speaking? If we track back a bit in the book of James, he says this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, um, chapter 1, verse 19, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. The practice of simplicity with regard to speech is simply this. Say less, listen more. Say less, listen more. How does this play out? Um, well, first of all, kind of, when we do less of something, it enables God to show us how there might be space for something more of kind of greater value. When we speak a bit less, and, and when I say that, like, how do we practice this? It, 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 we could, for example, have a practice of silence each day where we take 10 minutes, an hour, whatever, and just literally be silent. But I think often the way this can look is it's just a case of, going, well, I'm going to hold back a bit in a conversation. I'm going to let a couple of other people speak before I speak. I'm going to not share my thoughts until I've heard a few other people's thoughts. How does that open us up to what God might want to do? When we say less, it enables God to show us the value of others more. I don't know if you find this in conversation too easily. I'm like, everyone needs to hear what I have to say, and I'm speaking straight off the bat. And what am I doing? I'm not creating space for other people to speak. And then when I do shut up, I'm thinking about what I might want to say next. Or someone starts to say something, I'm like, oh, vaguely interesting. That's prompted a thought in my head. And I then sort of rehearse it for like half a minute, waiting for the opportunity to be like, bam, and say what I want to say. When I make a conscious decision to kind of not speak or to just hold back for like a couple of minutes, it enables me, God, to kind of show me the value in what others are saying to hear what actually he might be saying through them to me, to show me the value of my kind of fellow image bearers who so often I can be unaware of, so often I can be so self-enamored with what I have to say, with what I'm bringing to the table, I don't see the value in others who God has created. When we hold back, we enable God to show us, hey, this person's saying something good. You need to listen. You enable God to show you actually the value of others more, and you get to draw their contribution out of them. You know, as someone who finds speaking easy, um, I can easily feel silence. There are plenty of people who don't find that so easily. They're not the kind of first people to speak. You know, it's difficult for them. Maybe they're shy. There's something going on um, that just, you know, the lack of confidence. When I'm always speaking, I'm not creating space for those people. When I slow down in speaking, I create space for God to show me that person who maybe actually I could encourage and draw into the conversation and therefore value as a, as a fellow image bearer, as someone who's created by Jesus with worth. So in saying less, we create space to value others more. Second, in, in saying less, we create space for God to help us to be more considered in what we do say. When you don't speak straight away, you create a bit of space. You create a bit of silence in your mind for God to say, yeah, don't say that. Do, no, 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 do not say that. Or, or maybe just kind of uh, to, to show you something that you could say that would actually encourage and bless rather than just filling the room with kind of empty noise. Like in saying less, we create space to be more considered in what we say and therefore to be more of a blessing to those around us. 
you know, I think it even creates space for God to show us when the greatest thing we could say to somebody else is nothing. I would suggest that 95% of the time, when someone comes to you with a problem or a difficulty, they don't need or want your opinion or advice. But I don't know what it is, and maybe it's just me, I don't know, but it's almost like we have this kind of Pavlovian response that, you know, someone's like sharing a difficulty or problem, and we're like, I can solve that. Well, what you need to do is this, this, and this. And I don't know if you've ever been on the receiving end of that. It's just so frustrating because what most of us want in that place where we're sharing a difficulty or a problem is not to be advised as if we're clueless, but it's to be heard, to be understood, to be known, you know, to kind of have our loneliness kind of born with someone else, to have our problem carried with someone else. When we say less, we create space for God to show us when actually the greatest thing we could do is to just be silent, to just listen to someone, to enable them to feel valued, to enable them to feel understood, to enable them to feel known. So as we say less, we create space for God to show us how to and the value of others more. Second, when we say less, we create space for God to kind of reveal the ways in which we've used our voice in unhealthy ways. So I've been practicing this a bit recently, and you won't have noticed if you've been in conversations with me, but I just, every now and then, I'm in a meeting, I'm in a conversation, I'll just hold back a little. I'll let others, I'll let others speak first. I can't tell you the number of times where what I'm going to say, God has shown to me, is basically something that is an engagement in what I'm going to call impression management. A conversation's going on, some people are talking about something, and um, I feel an urge to say something to demonstrate that I'm knowledgeable too, that I'm up to date, that I'm, I'm in, because I want others to think well of me. I want others to think that I'm clever, that I've got it. Or, or, or let's say, you know, Maybe you've experienced this, and maybe it's just me, but there's people sharing stories in a kind of conversation. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to share a story, and it's like, well, I'm going to make sure the story I share is ever so slightly funnier and a bit more impressive. Why? Because, because there's a bit of me that feels insecure and kind of wants to feel, um, you know, like, like I'm, I'm better than perhaps I actually am. It's amazing how often God shows me that the, my motivations in speaking are not as innocent or as pure or as good as I might have presumed, that so often I'm speaking in a way to make myself look better and to make others look less good. I'm speaking in a way to kind of prove myself rather than kind of just be as I am and to trust Jesus with others' opinions of me and to kind of rest in his love, his affirmation, his word of forgiveness over me, rather than trying to kind of receive that from others in the ways I speak to try and control them to kind of elicit a certain response. And so when we say a bit less, we create space for God to just show us the hidden motivations that sometimes underlie the things we say, the ways we speak. Say less. Listen more. And I really feel that God, as we practice this, will ever increasingly slowly change us and renew us so that we become people who, when we speak, we bless. When we speak, we encourage. When we don't speak, it's because actually that's, that's, that's valuing other people more. 
You know, the whole purpose of the spiritual formation thing, I love this definition of spiritual formation that says spiritual formation is for our good and for the blessing of others. Jesus doesn't change us and transform us just so we can have a bless up. He changes us and transforms us so that we can be a blessing to others. And I full-heartedly believe and hope that as a community, and, and I hope as an individual, that ever increasingly we can become a presence of blessing in the world around us. That when people come and encounter us, they're just like, oh my gosh, I just felt lifted up. I felt, you know, encouraged. I just felt kind of a million, you know, on cloud nine because they just made me feel so good. They, you know, and I, and I tried to kind of, you know, I, I even tried to criticize Boris Johnson and but the way they spoke about him, it was just bizarre. It was like, that, you know, I, it wasn't that they were just affirming every policy, but they spoke about him in a way that kind of affirmed him as a person. Like, they, 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 they weren't just drawn into criticism and negativity like everyone else seemed to. You know, I, I tried to share a bit of gossip, but it was really weird. They just, all they ever seemed to say is positive things about that person behind their back. I couldn't get them to share anything negative. In fact, people often just left the conversation when stuff was being talked about that was none of their business. It was really odd. But I, I was blessed by it. I was blessed by it. I was encouraged. You know, we have the potential in Jesus, as he changes us, to be people who are a flavor of something different. There is so much critique. There is so much negativity. We don't need to add to the noise. It's loud enough. We need to add to the volume of blessing and goodness and kindness because that is the voice of Jesus. Should we pray? Should we stand?